Uh, when I was 15 years old, about 15 and a half, you know, you get your driver's permit, at least in Ohio, you do. And uh, then at 16, you can drive by yourself. So when I was about 15 and a half, I asked my dad for a car. There was a neighbor in the area that had a car for sale. I asked my dad to buy it for me. He was wise enough to not give me what I wanted. And I just thought he was mean because he didn't give me that. Now, he certainly had a sense of my responsibility level at that age and, uh, and didn't give in. A loving father doesn't grant every request because wisdom tells him something different than what the petitioner is asking, right? Besides, owning a vehicle carries with it responsibility, right? I mean, first of all, you need to make the payments if it's not paid for, right? You need to make payments if there are any. Uh, you need to acquire insurance, you have to care for the vehicle by changing the oil every, you know, three to 5,000 miles. You need to change the air filter. You need to check the radiator level. Uh, you need to check your tires to make sure that the air is right, that the, that the tread is good. You need to keep your car clean, especially in the, in the winter, so the salt doesn't eat away at the, at, at the finish and cause rust. All of these are what we might call preventative maintenance to assist in keeping something more catastrophic from occurring. I mean, I I change the oil because it lubricates the pistons as they move up and down in the cylinders. And without oil, that metal-to-metal friction creates so much heat that eventually the surfaces could weld themselves together and cause the engine to seize up. And then when that happens, you know, you're in, you're in big trouble as far as your car is concerned. Regular maintenance staves off catastrophic occurrences. Uh, now, I periodically try to check the tires for air pressure and tread to make sure that they're going to grip the road. And a while back, we had uh, uh, somebody that wanted to borrow our SUV and go on a trip out of state. We said, fine. So I took it to a place, had them check. And I said specifically, please check the tires. So we then, after getting the oil changed, having them do all that, uh, we gave it to our friends. They got uh, somewhere in some godforsaken section of Texas, and a tire blew. And apparently a steel belt was showing on the inside of the tire that you couldn't see uh, from the outside. You'd have to either lift the thing up or get under the car to see that a steel belt was clearly showing. I mean, the tread had worn to the steel belt. And again, it it wasn't visible unless you got under it. Now, if I had taken the time to do that myself instead of leaving it up to somebody else, I'd have seen that. I mean, it's rather embarrassing when you give your car to somebody to use and you have that happen. And And it could have been catastrophic. Now, all this, I think, kind of sets the stage as we talk about prayer. Number one, we don't always get what we ask of our Heavenly Father. And we, we certainly can trust his wisdom being greater than ours. I mean, if, if it works in a human relationship, it can certainly work with our Heavenly Father as well, right? And I also realize that daily, and perhaps at times even mundane, disciplines of prayer helps us to handle future catastrophes or maybe even avoid some catastrophes. And that there is some prayer that I have to do myself, that others can't do for me. I mean, there are times you want people praying for you, but I have to take responsibility for my worship, 
for my prayer, for my communion with God, that's on me, right? Certainly the human heart can be fickle when it comes to this thing of prayer. I mean, it's not uncommon, as I mentioned before, you read about the Israelites who uh, begged for God to intervene when they were in dire straits. God intervenes, and then once God shows up, they go right back to worshiping idols. It's not uncommon for us to beg for God's intervention. Maybe it's for money. Maybe it's for us to be healed. Uh, Maybe it's for some relational crisis, and, and God intervenes, and then we forget about our spiritual walk. And prayer is more of a, of a distant echo than it is a present reality. In Judges 8.34, we read this, And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. At least we could say this, that one of the reasons I think that corporate prayer and worship is really important is because it reminds us of God. It helps us not to forget God's activity in our life. We are encouraged as we meet with the saints. And it's certainly true for Christians, and it's true for cars as well, that neglecting daily maintenance, neglecting those check-ins, that's just downright foolish. I mean, there are a lot of people who think they don't really need a church body. I can get along fine. I can listen to sermons online. And that's the only reason I really go, right? I don't need to worship with other people or or pray with others. I can get along fine without those things. And we kind of become like that person who drives the car, never checking the oil or the tires or radiator. And, you know, it's getting me from A to B, so I don't have to worry about anything. At least it is for the time being. And that person who does not do that regular maintenance and basically waits for a catastrophe to happen, they don't have their senses trained. What happens is that for a person who knows their car, they can maybe sense something going on. They can hear an engine noise and know something's not right. Other people, they're just going to go until the engine seizes. You just go until something happens, and then you end up paying a much stiffer price. And it's that way even in our spiritual life if we don't do the regular maintenance. I mean, we think we don't have time for all this maintenance stuff, right? I mean, doing the daily maintenance of meeting with the Lord is just seen as useless. And usually what people say is, hey, I've prayed. God doesn't answer. It doesn't do any good. Listen to the words of Isaiah 26. Here it's a, it's a song of the redeemed, and some of these verses indicate that I think Isaiah had somebody else in mind of, of people who were being spiritually insensitive, not very concerned about God's majesty and works. And basically Isaiah says the only time God has their attention is when he's judging them when catastrophe arises because they're easy to forget me. This is what it says, Isaiah 26. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of the uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. 
Oh, Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume me. Oh, Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. Oh, Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead. They will not live. They are shades. They will not arise. To the end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and, and, and cries out in her pangs when she's near to giving birth. So were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed. But we have given birth to wind. We've accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. What a great description and word picture. They had not learned righteousness. The Lord blessed them, increased their borders, but they had forgotten God. They only came to God when in distress. They they whispered to him in their pain. And when God's discipline was upon them, they learned nothing. They were like a pregnant woman going through labor, only they didn't deliver a baby, they just delivered air. Why? Because there was no fruit from the pain. No lesson learned. They failed to seek God. They reverted back to the same independence that they had before. They failed to learn from God. They kept going through the same troubles, kept hitting their head up against the same wall, never learning, never maturing. You think prayer can help in us remembering God? Absolutely. I'd like to pivot on a couple of passages here. First, Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. His ears are open to their prayer. You know what I find in prayer is a sweet communion. That even if God doesn't give, it's like like talking to your spouse. You ever have your spouse say, give you maybe an issue? And, of course, guys, you know, we like to fix it. But there are times in which you can't fix it. But, But by the fact that you're just communicating by, by, by the fact that you're empathizing, there, there is something gained just by sharing that together. There's a, there's a communion, even though you may not have an answer for it. And that's a plus, right? There's something greatly gained. And I think of that in prayer, that, that God is just wanting me. He's wanting the communion. And though he may, he may not say yes to every request, there is a gain in the communion that I have. And my heart is settled. My heart is at peace. Listen to how God describes the assembly of his people in Isaiah. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. A, A holy mountain, an altar, a house is what the gathering is called. But twice he calls... The gathering together, a house of prayer. One of the reasons I think 
Guatemala on this trip was successful because people realize it's not about them. It's about serving others. And one of the reasons I think we can come together and we can enjoy worship is we realize it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about worshiping a holy God. He's the center of attention. And we can't do that without prayer. How do you worship without prayer? (laughs) You don't. Prayer and communion with God is the best description of why we gather. It's not about the show on the stage. Don't even try to play that game. It's about worshiping an almighty God. I mean, what kind of congregation do you want to have? Can we become what God desires for us as a church without prayer? Absolutely not. What kind of small group do you want to experience? Can your small group be what it needs to be without prayer? No. What kind of man or woman do you desire to be? Let me ask you this. Can you be what God has called you to be as a man or woman without prayer? I don't know any equation for the Christian that would eliminate prayer. Can your marriage be what it needs to be without prayer? I mean, if I were to come up and ask you, I'd say, hey, I'll tell you what. uh, How about you not have any sex for the next five years? How about you not talk to your wife for the next five years? You okay with that? Uh, No. Because you realize that in order to have a healthy marriage, you need that physical intimacy. You need that emotional intimacy. And yet spiritually, we just think, eh. Don't have time for that. Really? There is no such thing as a healthy marriage in a Christian perspective without the spiritual communion, without prayer. Now, that can take many forms, look a lot of different ways, but there's got to be some praying together. I mean, when, when you change the way you pray, you change everything. The next 20 days, our church is going to focus on prayer. We're going to have sermons on prayers, but listen, I have no illusions. Nobody prays better through a sermon or because of a sermon. You learn to pray by praying, right? Uh, But each small group is going to take what has been learned in the messages, and we're going to seek to apply that, to be intent about praying. Uh, In addition, Monday through Friday, starting tomorrow, Every person on our email list, and it will also be up on our Facebook page, there will be a devotional written by one of our staff members or one of our elders about prayer between now and the end of the month, just to help guide, provide some further food for thought. And that can be used to encourage you to help us on this trek, this challenge of prayer for the next 20 days. In addition, Monday through Friday here at the church at 6.30 for the next 20 days, Uh, there will be somebody here at 6.30 in the morning that you can pray with. People together, maybe you just want to pray with a group of people before uh, the workday starts. Some of you can make it, some can't. 6.30, Monday through Friday, between now and the end of the month. And at the end of the month, we're going to have a 24-hour time of prayer at the church right before the last Sunday where we can celebrate 
what God has done through prayer. In addition, I would encourage all of you to keep a daily journal to record your prayer requests and how God intervened as a result. I like what Mark Batterson says, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Yeah, you know, I have a little prayer list that I keep with my, it's in my iPad, I can get it on my phone, I have it on my computer. It has my family members, it has the elders, the staff, ministry leaders, and the men in my discipleship group. And I also have a long list of things that I pray for, for the church as a whole. And it was really cool, one morning I, as we were in Guatemala, I was kind of just going through the list and praying through it, and I realized how God was working, I'd honestly say, in the majority of cases, in those prayer requests. And it was like my, my heart was just being lifted as I realized there were marriages being restored, jobs improving. These are related to specific requests that people have given me. Patience giving, mindsets changing, wisdom dispensed, spiritual maturity taking place, resources provided, ministry expanded, you know, a, a college ministry that was struggling uh, two or three years ago now is flourishing with, with leaders and a thriving life group. Um, ministry in the community that CCC has, has, has that was not our forte, but now has become something that, that, that God is just allowing us to flourish. I, I was in a meeting uh, right before we left uh, with uh, the city manager, with the president of Evangel and uh, a, a principal, a couple other pastors, who else was there? People from Convoy of Hope. And then there was a, there was a pastor from, from Chicago that was there to speak about what you can do with city involvement and being involved in the community to encourage people. And then Greg Burris, the city manager, right when he ended, he goes, Kevin, I'd like for you to go first. And I want you to tell, because your church is doing a great job of this, of being involved in the community, I want you to tell us how that happened. It was certainly gratifying to hear that, but I had to realize when I was done, I said, God, you have done that. That is an answer to prayer over the years that a city manager is recognizing Christ Community Church for what it is doing in the community. You know, and this is not because we're getting our name in the paper. It's because it's just happening. And other people are recognizing what you are doing and the ministry that, that, that you are having. That is a direct answer to prayer. That's cool. You see... You see the way that God answers, and it begins to build your faith. And besides that, you got people come to know Christ. Now listen, my batting average at prayer, it, it definitely needs to improve, all right? I think we could all say that. But I was simply giving it some attention and, and recognizing this list, and you know what happened? I was seeing a bigger picture of God. My faith was expanding. I have a lot more faith now than I did before. Just because giving God that recognition does that for us. Just paying attention. There's probably not a person in here who hasn't felt inept at prayer. And maybe most of us do, right? I mean, how many of us can say, hey, I got this prayer thing down, man. I mean, I am doing this great. We all feel like we can improve in that area. All of us can learn to do so more effectively. All of us could stand to, to raise our batting average. But when it comes to prayer, let me just leave you with this thought. Uh, and I promise I'll only take 
30 minutes with this thought, all right? Um, I just scared many of you right now. You're saying, six minutes, the game starts. When, he's, when is he going to be done? Okay? Hey, I love football, too. I'm sensitive to these things, all right? God is speaking to my heart, all right? Here's the thing. When it comes to prayer, guess how many prayers get answered that aren't prayed? A hundred percent of unasked prayers go unanswered. What have you got to lose? (laughs) We've got to get in the batting box and take our swings. Everybody strikes out every once in a while. But you are not going to get a hit unless you get in the batting, batter's box and take a swing, right? You know what? You're going to get some hits. You may even hit a home run. You're going to get some RBIs, but you're going to get nothing if you don't swing. So let's quit worrying about striking out. Let's quit worrying about how inept we are, and let's take some swings. That's all I'm asking. Let's ask God to do some big things. Let's ask God to do things that only he can do. I've got a list. I've got some pretty big things that are way beyond the resources I or this church have. But let's allow God to to expand our view of him and increase our faith. How about it? You ready for that? Let's watch what God does as a result. Let's pray.